This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Your body strives for new things. If you keep your brain doing something new, it actually starts to do better for longer. That's Dr. David Agus. His new book, A Short Guide to a Long Life, is a surprising list of do's and don'ts that can help us ward off cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, and heart disease. He'll give the details of his prescription a bit later on. Plus, many of us are turning to alternative medicine as a way to treat or prevent illness, but natural doesn't always mean healthy. Today, we'll sort fact from fiction with naturopathic Dr. Laura Brass and chiropractor Alwyn Wong. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's being hailed as a landmark breakthrough in the research on Alzheimer's disease. For decades, doctors couldn't figure out why neurodegenerative diseases only affect the elderly. Now a study from Harvard points to a possible answer. Researchers have found that a protein active during fetal brain development called REST switches back on in later life to protect aging neurons from various stresses. But in people with Alzheimer's and mild cognitive impairment, the protein is absent from key brain regions. Bruce Yanker, the Harvard Medical School professor who led the study, is hopeful that finding a way to increase the levels of REST protein in patients' brains can ward off cognitive decline. A Zoomer lawyer in Cameroon is being recognized for her work to promote gay rights in Africa with an award from Amnesty International. Alice Ncom has spent over 10 years defending people accused of practicing homosexuality. Homosexual acts are illegal in Cameroon and carry a five-year prison term. Ms. Ncom described the award as a prize of hope. The 69-year-old lawyer became the first black woman to be called to the bar in Cameroon in 1969. She vows to continue her work despite death threats and warnings that she could face imprisonment. It's part of the worldwide grey tsunami. The number of centenarians in the UK has skyrocketed over the last decade. According to the Office of National Statistics, there were more than 13,000 people over the age of 100 in the UK in 2012. That's compared to just over 7,000 in 2002. The 2011 census here in Canada found nearly 6,000 centenarians. Meanwhile, to inspire people as they approach that milestone, here's what the advocacy group Age UK has come up with. There is no cure for aging, because aging isn't an illness, but a way of life. And some are better at it than others. The secret? Think yourself younger than you really are. Design a website. Invent an app. Take up Zumba. Forget to nap. Time flies, they say. But it's us that fly. 
You can see the full video online at www.ageuk.org. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. We first introduced you to Dr. David Agus two years ago when he came out with his best-selling book, The End of Illness. As a cancer doctor, telling patients he can't do any more for them is part of his daily routine. That's why he's so focused on prevention. Now he has distilled the principles he outlined into a short guide to a long life. I reached him at his office in Berkeley, California. When I wrote the first book, The End of Illness, I was shocked by the response. People read it all over the world. And there really was a call for to-dos and not-to-dos. So that's what this book is. It's 65 to-dos and not-to-dos, as well as doctor's orders, which is a list of things by the decade to do in your life. People wanted the prescriptive elements lined out, and that's what I did here. What are your top do's in your to-do list? Probably the most important ones are some of the most straightforward. Something like have a regular schedule. So it matters not just what you eat, but when you eat, when you get up and when you go to bed. So if you have your lunch today at noon and tomorrow at 2 o'clock, stress hormones in the body change. Metabolism goes down. You actually gain weight. You don't think as well or act as well. People who graze, that is, eat whenever they're hungry, have 81% more diabetes. So having your meals on a regular schedule, nothing in between matters. And the same is true with when you get up and when you go to bed. Eating when you're hungry, how does that induce stress hormones? Well, when your body strives for regularity, so if your body had your lunch today at noon, tomorrow at noon, insulin goes up, cortisol goes up, and your body's ready for that meal. It doesn't come that meal, and those hormones, which are stress hormones, stay up, and we don't want that. Your body strives for regularity. We need to respect it. So what should people eat? I want people to know their grocer. I want them to go to the grocer and say, what came in fresh today? Because somebody designed fruits and vegetables, and when they're picked, they start degrading right away to put the nutrients in the soil. And if nothing fresh appeals to you, or if there isn't that much fresh at a particular time of year, don't get what's come in from a different country or shipped in from different parts of your country. Go to the flash-frozen part of the supermarket. Things that are flash-frozen within hours of picking have many more nutrients than something that's been shipped in from abroad. And stick to the outside uh, of your grocery store. If you notice at the grocery store, the outside outside are where they have the fresh meats and, and fish and chicken. The outside are where the fruits and vegetables and frozen foods are. It's the middle part with all the processed things that you want to avoid. And what we know is from the largest study randomizing the different types of diet, the best diet and most appropriate diet for health clearly in the New England Journal of Medicine was a Mediterranean diet. So not a low-fat diet, not a low-calorie diet, but a good-fat diet, fruits, vegetables, cold water fish, chicken, beef, all in moderation. In addition to eating the whole foods, there are uh, some things that are quite pleasurable that you recommend. No question about it. A glass of wine a night, obviously, if you're of the right age, in moderation is the key. Alcohol in many people has a benefit. Coffee, up to three cups a day, in many people has a health benefit and clearly affects the ability to focus. After three cups, that effect starts to decline. I find this uh, a little amusing. You say, find an exercise or activity that you're bad at and stick to it. Why do you have to be bad at it? Well, you know, we all focus on what we're good at. I'm good at a certain thing, or I like doing these bicep curls, so I focus on it. And what happens is you don't focus on the things you're not good at. And so your body, first of all, it needs to get good or 
be adequate at most behaviors and exercise, and that's going to make you well-rounded. But also, your body strives for new things. If you keep your brain doing something new, it actually starts to do better for longer. Every year you delay retirement or don't have a hobby, you reduce the incidence of Alzheimer's by 3% or do have a hobby by 3%. So if after the age of 65, you start to have a hobby and do new things and do that for 20 years, that reduces Alzheimer's by a dramatic 60%. So the old adage, you don't use it, you lose it is correct. Okay, now some of the things that you say not to do uh, seem a little unusual. So never skip breakfast, got that. Eating three servings of fish, got that. But you talk about avoiding juicing, airport scanners, and stilettos. (laughs) So each of those obviously have their own story behind them, but juicing is simple. Once you put a fruit or vegetable into a blender, and introduce it to light and oxygen, it degrades in milliseconds, and there's very little nutritional value. Lots of sugar, but almost no nutritional value. Eat the real food. The airport scanner, I'm not saying the airport scanners cause a problem, but what I am saying is whenever we introduce a new technology without outcome data, historically, most of the time, we've been wrong. In the 1950s, we had people put their feet into boxes to see if their shoes fit, and that was radiation boxes, x-ray, we cause cancers of the feet. This is a new type of energy in these new scanners where you hold your arms up and it takes an image of you where we don't have outcome data. So when I get to the gate at the airport, I get a free pat-down, a free massage, and I actually don't go through them and I walk to the side. The stiletto one is one my wife always gives me mean looks at it. What it's meant is, is that when you wear shoes at the end of the day, your feet hurt, that's inflammation. Inflammation is the root of heart disease, cancer, and many of the brain diseases. And I want to do everything we can in the long run to reduce that inflammation. So find shoes that are comfortable. Choose sports and activities where afterwards you don't hurt all over because in the long run it's not good. There's been some uh, criticism of your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy writing in the Telegram said, more like a guide to misery. What do you have to say to him? <laughs> well, there's an old quote that the only way to health is eat what you don't want Uh, do what you'd rather not, and drink what you uh, don't like. And I I don't think that's the case. If you start to look at the 65 rules and and to-dos and not-to-dos, I don't mean for everybody to enact each one, but I want them to know the data. Okay. Dr. David Agus, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. A Short Guide to a Long Life is published by Simon & Schuster. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. A lot of people are taking their health into their own hands by turning to alternative forms of medicine. But without professional guidance, you could end up doing more harm than good. In just a moment, I'll be joined by naturopathic Dr. Laura Brass and chiropractor Alwyn Wong. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. We've just been talking about what you can do to prevent catastrophic and chronic illnesses. Does alternative medicine fit into that prescription? 73% of Canadians use some kind of alternative or complementary therapy as part of their health care regime. What are they and how are we using them? Chiropractor Alwyn Wong and Doctor of Naturopathic Medicine Laura Brass drop by our Liberty Village studios. Well, I find alternative is a bit of a misnomer because a lot of people are turning to these types of treatments and methodologies now. Um, Fortunately, I think for both of us, the public has, as well as other health professionals, have accepted and 
kind of taken us in and integrated our types of practice into the more conventional Western medical practices. So you do chiropractic and yes. acupuncture and active release. What's that? So active release is a form of what we call soft tissue therapy that's designed to break up scar tissue that may have been formed from repetitive strain injuries, various sports injuries, or just chronic postural stresses as we all sit up straight. As we all sit up straight. And Laura, you're a doctor of naturopathic medicine. That's correct, yes. So we are general primary healthcare practitioners that use a combination of mainstream medical diagnostic tools and assessments, like we do physical exams and we do lab and blood work. But we also, instead of prescribing pharmaceutical medication, we uh, use evidence-based natural therapies like herbal medicine, like clinical nutrition, diet and lifestyle counseling, and acupuncture, to name a few. Mm -hmm. And when you say evidence-based, is it the same kind of... uh rigorous clinical studies that a Western doctor would rely on? A lot of them, yeah. Yeah. And you, Alwyn? Along with us as well. I think there's been a call, you know, from, you know, from, from within our own professions, from other professions as well as the public, is they want the evidence. They're very educated as far as what treatments work, what the conditions are, and I think we're expected to be held to that same standard. Here's a, a problem that I have, not with doctors of naturopathic medicine, but probably with the way the public perceives it. So most people I run into equate natural means not only good, but benign. So they will never check to see if something that's natural interacts badly with something else they may be having. The other big, big problem I have is that there are different standards for naturopathic products. And uh, I have here a study done at the University of Guelph where they tested 44 herbal products by 12 companies, and only two of them had authentic products without substitutions, contaminants, or fillers. So if I go to the health food store to buy something, I have no way of knowing what's really in it. Yes, that is a huge problem in our field, absolutely. And I think the real issue there is people self-prescribing these medications on their own, thinking that it's safe and and it's not going to do anything to them and it's safe with their mainstream pharmaceutical medication, but that's just not true. Um, A lot of natural therapies can um, interact with mainstream pharmaceutical drugs. For instance, St. John's Ward and an antidepressant or St. John's Ward and the birth control pill can interact. That's why it's so important to get guidance from an accredited naturopathic doctor. Most naturopathic doctors prescribe very high-level, well-studied, professional products. One product labeled as St. John's Ward contains Senna Alexandrina, which is a very serious laxative, which can cause big problems if you take it for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And that person should probably not be taking that product. I believe that there should be tighter regulations on these products and that they should only be able to be prescribed and dispensed by naturopathic doctors or other healthcare practitioners that have that level of knowledge. Do you find in your practice, Alwyn, that people also have certain kinds of conceptions or misconceptions about what the practice is? I know, know for instance, um, when it comes to chiropractic, a lot of people are very wary of being adjusted. Of course. The two big misconceptions we have are the risks, the risks associated with what we do as far as manipulation. And the common question is, if I see you once, do I have to see you all the time? There was a horrible case of a woman being paralyzed after being adjusted in her neck. Do you get a lot of pushback about that? Not as much anymore. Um, so it took a while for that to blow over, in other words? It, it did. Um, and I, I think this was a testament to what we do that the damage our profession from a from a a patient perspective wasn't as big as we thought it would be it was more i, th- I think the people that weren't seeing us anyways kind of latched onto that and 
maybe used it as a justification to not see us. But our patients at, you know, see us at a regular chiropractic patients, you know, we educate them. We're not going to adjust everybody. If someone has a certain risk factor or an unstable joint, that's the last thing we're going we're gonna to do. So we're, we're very judicious in, in how we apply our techniques. What do you think of the fact that basically your services are not covered by OHIP? They're covered to a certain extent by some private insurance. How does that impact your practice? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of private um, and extended healthcare plans do cover naturopathy and naturopathic medicine enough to get the patient on a really good foundational health plan. And, and after that, I work with a patient um, in terms of where they're at with their finances to help get them on a, and maintain them on a health plan that works for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think likewise, um, I find the patients that are going to see a chiropractor or come and see me there, whether or not they have benefits, they'll probably still come in regardless. I think it's also important, especially for the boomers, to think of seeing um, alternative healthcare professional as an investment. It's an investment on their health, and it's going to cost them a lot less to work on disease prevention and health promotion than it is down the road when they actually develop that chronic disease. Okay. Thank you both so much. Thank Thank you. You can hear more about alternative medicine with a panel that includes our guests and an acupuncturist, an osteopath, a Reiki master, and a Christian faith healer on tomorrow night's edition of The Zoomer. That's Monday at 9 p.m. on Vision TV. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. This week, Dame Vera Lynn celebrated her 97th birthday, and she used the occasion to make a remarkable announcement. You'll find out more after the break. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, a 1992 Disney film featuring the voice of Robin Williams has been adapted into a musical. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. Aladdin is on stage at the New Amsterdam on West 42nd Street. To London, England, where the magic and glamour of photographer David Bailey is at the National Portrait Gallery. It's a landmark collection of his instantly recognizable portraits selected by Bailey himself. And in Rome, the exhibit Remembering is Not Enough showcases over 70 artists and revolves around universal phrases and themes, including joy and pain, physicality and intimacy. It's at the National Museum of 21st Century Arts. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Date Book. This week, Dame Vera Lynn celebrated her 97th birthday. The veteran singer is best known for songs including We'll Meet Again and The White Cliffs of Dover, which boosted morale during World War II. Well, on her 97th birthday, she announced that she will be releasing a new album. The record will be a collection of her biggest hits and feature previously unreleased material. It'll be available from the 2nd of June to mark the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings. Her last album, 2009's We'll Meet Again, The Very Best of Vera Lynn, made her the record holder for the only person over the age of 90 to have earned a UK number one album. Right now, we'll hear the title track from that album and one of her biggest career hits. Here's We'll Meet Again. Let's say goodbye with a smile, dear. Just for a while, dear, 
Don't let this parting upset you I'll not forget you again. She celebrated her 97th birthday earlier this week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Please come back next week. My guest will be Reverend Majid El Shafi, and he will share his deeply personal and troubling story of religious persecution and his efforts to free others around the world. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nyman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandrill. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.